We finished Surah Fatiha, and now we're on the recitation of the Qur'an. Now what's the most common surah recited in, 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 in Qiyam, in prayer? The most common surah recited. Be honest. hands down. It takes a cake. Even though it's not the shortest surah, technically the shortest surah. But people love surah ikhlas. Everybody just loves surah ikhlas, right? And because remember we said don't be an autopilot in prayer? What happens when you're in prayer? You're on autopilot. It's happened so often. But here's the thing. When it comes to recitation of the Qur'an, you choose the surah. Okay, don't be on autopilot. This is important for khushu'ah. Never in prayer be on autopilot. You have to choose the surah you recite. If I asked you, do you remember what you recite in Salat al-Dhuhr? Anybody remember what they recite in Salat al-Dhuhr? <laughs> so just by default, I'm going to say ikhlas. <laughs> but honestly, if you honestly ask yourself, we just prayed Dhuhr two, what, two hours ago. Who remembers, less than two hours, who remembers what they recite in Salat al-Dhuhr? It was autopilot, wasn't it? So we can guess in Atina al-Kalkothar and Qulullah had probably the likelihood, I'll put my, I'm a head to bed, that's what it be on. But you know the Sahaba, there was a Sahabi, he led in Masjid Quba. He was the Imam at Masjid Quba. Masjid Quba is the first Masjid built in Islam. The Prophet made Hijrah from Mecca to Medina. He stopped in the area of Quba and they built a Masjid there. So there's an Imam there, and the Masjid has blessings. The Prophet said, whoever makes wudu and goes out to Masjid Quba and prays two rakahs, he gets the reward of Umrah. So it's a Masjid we're encouraged to go to, and he would go there every week. So Masjid Quba had an Imam who used to recite. After Surah Fatiha, every rak'ah. So not just once, but twice. So rak'ah number one, rak'ah number two. And he would recite Surah Ikhlas, then he would recite Surah after it. So he recite Surah Ikhlas, then whatever he wants. Surah Baqarah, Surah Ali, whatever he wants, but he would recite Surah Ikhlas first. So the people told him, look man, you gotta cut that out, dude. <laughs> we don't appreciate that. I mean, imagine if the Imam recited the same Surah twice in the same rak'ah. There'll be a, a chaos in the masjid. But it's allowed, you're allowed to do it. So, so they said, stop it. He said, no, I'm not going to stop it. He refused. So they said, you better stop it. And he's like, look, look, if you want me to stop, look, you have two options. Either I'm going to keep doing it, or I'm not going to be an imam anymore. You guys choose. And they're like, oh man. It's like, you know, Shaykh al-Karim is here. He's like, when he's here, you're like, man, lead the prayer. You know, like, no, we don't want anybody else to not lead besides you. You have to be our imam. So you've got to lead us, but we don't want you to do surah al either. So they went to the Prophet and they claimed the Prophet so you know what happened? The Prophet told the man, Ya Fulan, ma yamnauka an taf'ala ma yamuruka bihi ashabuk, wa ma hamalaka ala luzumi hadhi surah fi kulli rak'ah. And this is in Sahih Bukhari, by the way. He says, what's stopping you from doing what your friends are telling you to do? And what's making you stick to surah al-ikhlas in every rak'ah? You know what he says? Two words. Inni la'uhibbuha. I love this surah. This surah describes Allah's oneness, Tawheed. I love reciting the oneness of Allah, about the oneness of Allah. And the Prophet told him, he said, Your love for Surah Al-Ikhlas has granted you admission into paradise. Ya Allah. You see the difference, brothers, in another narration in, in Sahih Muslim, and, and uh, 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 the Prophet sent out an expedition, and there was an Imam who, who would recite Surah Ikhlas at the end of every rak'ah. He would recite whatever he wanted in Surah Ikhlas to complain to the Prophet. And the man told him that he says, The Prophet asked him, Why do you recite it? He says, It describes the Ar Rahman, it describes the most merciful, so I love to recite it. So the Prophet told him, 
Then tell him Allah loves him. Ya Allah. For Surah Al-Ikhlas. But what's the lesson we learned from this? That you choose what to recite in the Qur'an based on what your love for Allah is, based on what you're feeling at the moment. Maybe somebody's going through difficult times, so he recites Surah Yusuf. Maybe somebody wants to praise Allah, so he recites the end of Surah Furqan before the famous ayat, or he, he recites Surah Al-Hashr, or different ayat about what he's feeling. You choose what you want to recite. Never, brothers and sisters in Salah, be on autopilot. Now what if the Imam, nowadays if the Imam recites anything long, what happens? Sheikh, come on. What duha? Too long, man. Surah Ikhlas. And people like zone out. They're like, come on, Sheikh, this, you, you're being too hard on us. But you know, what's interesting is the Prophet he says that the most honored prayer, the most loved prayer to Allah is the one whose qiyam is long. Whose standing is long. Now, if you're in the masjid, it's different. If there's old people, there's children, there's maybe pregnant women, those kind of things, then you don't want to say a long prayer because it's difficult for them. But if you're by yourself, the best prayer is a long prayer. But you know what happens is, have you ever been behind the Imam? And he starts, He starts Surah Al-Baqarah. Now what's the first thought that goes through your mind? Be honest. What is he going to finish? What is he going to stop? That's the, and you're not, Mu'adh ibn Jabal, the companion of the Prophet, I'm sorry, Hadith ibn Yaman, he said the exact same thing. So Prophet said, at Qiyam al-Layl, he grabbed Hadifa and he prayed with him. And he began Surah Baqarah. So you know what Hadifa thought? He's, he's narrating this hadith, this authentic hadith in, in Muslim and Nasa'i. He says, I thought to myself, he's praying, he's, I thought to myself, he's going to stop at Ayah 100. And then the Prophet finished Ayah 100, he kept going. So you know what he said? One narration says, he's, I thought he's going to finish Baqarah in one rak'ah. One says, I thought he's going to finish Baqarah in two rak'ahs. Prophet finishes Baqarah. He's waiting for that takbir. Surah An-Nisa. Another juz and a half long. He's like, yeah, Allah. They was praying behind the Prophet. He's like, man, this is no joke. I mean, this is, this is serious stuff, man. So Surah An-Nisa finishes. Let's go into Rukur. Alif Lam Allah la ilaha illa huwa al-hayyul qayyum Surah Ali Imran He's like, wow And you want it out of order So you're not, you're not required to go in order in Salah You can go out of order, it's no problem So he's And then he says The Prophet then went into Ruku' And spent the same amount of time Similar amount of time In Ruku' as he did in Qiyah SubhanAllah And sujood the same thing Can you imagine that prayer? You know, I remember there was there was in our masjid in Michigan, when I was in high school, we would spend the last two nights of Ramadan in the masjid, the Qiyam al-Layl. So this is a shaykh, his name is Shaykh Khalid, hafizahullah. He would come and lead Qiyam before the Imam would lead Qiyam. And he was known to lead long prayers. So the youth group, we would, we would all spend like 10 of us, we'd spend the night in the masjid. So we would have lookouts, like scouts, you know what I'm saying? They're watching the parking lot. So they see Shaykh Khalid's car coming, everybody's like, run for your life! Shaykh Khalid's coming to the mess. So people would pretend like they're sleeping, they would hide in the kitchen, they would go in the bathroom. They would, everybody would hide from Shaykh Khalid. Because we knew he had these long prayers. So one day we were all like, before he came, we were like, look dude, this is the last 10 nights of Ramadan, man. We gotta do, at least do it once behind the imam. So we said, we're gonna, tonight's a night, we're gonna do it. 
So everybody's like, all right, we're ready. Everybody was getting psyched up. Our leader of the youth group, he wore this big, like, big down. Michigan's cold. He had this big down jacket, like huge jacket. He put on his winter hat and says, that, you know, he's like, let's do this. Shekhala comes in, we're like, ready. We stand in the prayer. Now, what Shekhala would say is this. Because if prayer is long, he recommends two things. If it's too long for you, this is what you do. If you're in prayer, and he's going in your back, it's hurting your legs, are hurting your skin, he is not. So he says you can do one of two things. Number one, as the imam is praying, we just take a long wakabah, and you finish your prayer. The imam is continuing, you kind of break off and finish your prayer. So the other option is, is the imam is reciting, he's a long time, you're too tired, just sit down, like this. Pray. And then, whenever your back is rested up, your legs get some strength again, then stand back up again and continue the prayer. So the youth group, see, nobody really took this in the option. It was like, it's all in that, right? So most people, they would just end the prayer and they would leave. So what would happen is, we had a room in the back like this, except there was glass, it was a wall. So when anybody would leave the prayer, they would go in the back room. So still one, then two, then three, then four. So as more people would go, they would like celebrate. You could hear like the celebration in the back. It's like, Shaheed, Shaheed! And they would pick him up on their shoulders and say, you know, he left the prayer. Now, I, I had just memorized Surah Al-Baqarah that summer or the previous summer. So, so I know what the Shaykh is reciting. So I'm like, all right, Shaykh. When he started Surah Al-Baqarah, because we know he goes a long prayer, I'm thinking he's going to stop at, you know, end of Juz 1. He's not going to say, Sayyidul Sufaha. Go into the cool. He finishes Juz 1. Sayyidul Sufaha, minan nasi ma wallahum. So I'm like, Shaykh, finish the ayat of Asiyah, maybe then we'll go down. He keeps going. Tilkar Rusul, he goes to the third juz, and we're like, wow. And I was standing next to an old man, actually, he passed away in Ramadan a few years later. He, man, he was like a pillar, not wiggling back and forth. MashaAllah, solid. And I was next to him, a high schooler, and I'm just <laughs> leaning this way, leaning that way, changing back and forth. But I, I wanted to finish the prayer. So subhanAllah, Shaykh Khalid, he doesn't just recite slow, he doesn't recite long, he repeats ayat. Just like the Prophet Ma'ad says, that Hadifa says the Prophet when he would come across an ayah about Jannah, he would ask Allah for Jannah. When he came across an ayah about hellfire, he would ask Allah to protect him from hellfire. When he came across an ayah about mercy of Allah, he would ask Allah, give me your mercy. Uh, came across an ayah about the punishment of Allah, he would say, oh Allah, protect me. He would interact with the ayat, and so Shaykh Khalid would recite. So Baqarah is 50 pages, no, 49 pages long. On top of that, repeating ayat again and again, and reciting and stopping and asking Allah. It was a long prayer. And he ended up finishing Surah Baqarah in the first rak'ah. Like this recitation. And honestly, I don't even remember what he recited in the second rak'ah. We were just so like, you know, tired. Alhamdulillah, we finished, we survived the prayer. And those of us who survived, we were like, you know when you go to like a theme park, they have those t-shirts, I survived, you know, like the Magnum or the biggest ride, whatever it is, the Scorpio, whatever these big rides are. We wanted to make a shirt, I survived Sheikh Khalid, and put a picture of like a beard. <laughs> Just like everybody wear, I survived Sheikh Khalid, yeah. But subhanAllah, you know what's interesting though, subhanAllah brothers and sisters, is that that experience, people, some people criticize him, why are you reciting so long, those kind of things. But I'm telling you, that experience changed our, all of our approach to Qiyam and after that experience, we were able to now to stand for an hour, two hours, and we're able to do it. Before, we could never dream of doing something like that. But it was training. And Ramadan, just like Ramadan is training, Qiyam al-Layl is like, like, you know, it's like the bonus session. You want real training? This is where you make, this is where you earn your stripes. So subhanAllah, Surah Baqarah is uh, interesting. You know, subhanAllah, there was a, there was a man... He, he came into this new masjid, first time in the masjid, and the imam, he recites, this is a joke, I don't know if it's true, he recites Surah Al-Baqarah, the whole surah. So the man's like, man, what kind of masjid is this? My first time in this masjid, <laughs> the shaykh recited Surah Al-Baqarah. 
So the next day he comes back. Props to him, he comes back. And the Imam recites, أَلَمْ تَرَ كَيْفَ فَعَلَ رَبُّكَ بِأَصْحَابِ الْفِيلِ So the man says, He leaves the salah. <laughs> so the people are like, go after the prayer, like, hey dude, what's up man? Why did you leave the prayer? He's like, yesterday the Shaykh recited Surah Al-Baqarah, the chapter on the cow, and it was so long. Now he's reciting Al-Fil, the elephant, how long is it going to be? SubhanAllah, people when they, their mind goes to strange things in salah. But how do we focus on what the imam recites? Whatever the imam recites, how do we build khushu' in our, in this section of the salah? Number one, understand that what you are hearing is the speech of Allah. لَوْ أَنزَلْنَا هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ عَلَىٰ جَبَلٍ لَرَأَيْتَهُ خَاشِعًا مُتَصَدِّعًا مِّنْ خَشْيَةِ اللَّهِ If this Qur'an were sent down on a mountain, you would see the mountain shaking out of fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are hearing verses that are the speech of Allah. So even if you don't understand a lick of Arabic, just knowing that this is the speech of Allah, it is enough to leave you in awe. Allah says, فَلَا أُقْسِمُ بِمَوَاقِعِ And I take an oath by the position of the stars. But then He doesn't tell you what the oath is about. The only place in the Qur'an He interjects and He says, وَإِنَّهُ لَقَسَمٌ لَوْ تَعْلَمُونَ عَظِيمٌ And indeed, this oath, what I'm gonna take oath on, is a great, magnificent oath. What is the oath about? It is certainly a most noble recitation, the Qur'an. And the ulama, they say, why did Allah have to say that this is a great oath? Why did He just take the oath and say, إِنَّهُ لَقُرْآنٌ كَرِيمٌ Why did He say, إِنَّهُ لَقَسَمٌ لَوْ تَعْلَمُونَ عَظِيمٌ If you only knew, this is a great oath. They say, لِأَنَّهُ أَقْسَمَ عَنْ كَلَامِهِ بِكَلَامِهِ Allah Subh'ana took an oath with His own words about His own words. This is the speech of Allah. This is the speech of Allah. These are words that cause the heart to tremble, the eyes to shed tears, the skin to have goosebumps. So just by understanding that, this is the speech of Allah. It makes you focus. Number two, ponder on the ayats. Now, if you understand Arabic, this is where you can do it. If you don't understand Arabic, it makes it difficult. So as we talked about in the beginning of the program, learning Arabic is part of the religion of Allah. It is necessary. We need to make a commitment to learn Arabic. When I was in Egypt back in 2004, my neighbor was a 73-year-old man from an island off of Australia. He left his family and he came to learn Arabic. 73 years old by himself. It's never too late. Arabic is part of the religion of Allah. We have to take it upon ourselves to learn the religion, the language of the religion of Allah. We understand the Quran, we understand what the Prophet taught us. Now if you don't, again like we said in the beginning, study tafsir, study translation, memorize translation. Now, number three is the ayat of Allah. They're actually called ayat. They're not called jumal or they're not sentences. They're actually verse, we say verses, but it's an ayah. What is an ayah? An ayah is a mu'jiz, it's a miracle, it's a sign. So every time you hear a verse of Allah, even if it's hamim, taha, any even the shortest verses, 
It's a miracle from the miracles of Allah. Where every time you memorize the ayah from the ayat of Allah, you're memorizing a miracle from the miracles of Allah. When you hear the words of Allah, you're hearing a miracle from the miracles of Allah. Not just a miracle, but the greatest miracle ever, ever given to mankind. The Qur'an. Now, number five, number, number four is interact with what you are reading. Interact with what you are reading. What does that mean? As we mentioned, they says Prophet when he would read an ayah about Jannah, what would he say? Allah make you from the people of Jannah. If we hear the ayah in the Quran, Allah says, فَسَبِّحْ بِاسْمِ رَبِّكَ الْعَظِيمِ What should we say? Subhan Rabbiyan Azim. Allah says, you know, and glorify Allah, so glorify Allah. If Allah says, وَاسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ And ask Allah for forgiveness, He's truly forgiving and merciful. What do we say? Astaghfirullah. If Allah says, أَلَيْسَ اللَّهُ بِأَحْكَمِ الْحَاكِمِينَ Is Allah not the most just of those, those or the most wise of those who give decisions? We say, بَلَا يَا رَبْ Of course, O oh Allah. Not just that, but this again comes to understanding. You know when I was reciting to my teacher back some time ago, I was reciting Surah Al-Ma'idah. And I was reciting the verses that Allah says, وَقَالَتِ الْيَهُودُ يَدُ اللَّهِ مَغْلُولَةٌ غُلَّتْ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَلُعِنُوا بِمَا قَالُوا بَلْ يَدَاهُ مَبْسُوطَتَانِ يُنْفِقُ كَيْفَ يَشَاءُ the, the Jews, they say, Allah's hands are tied or constricted. So Allah says in response, غُلَّتْ أَيْدِيهِمْ May their hands be tied and constricted. وَلُعِنُوا بِمَا قَالُوا And they have received the curse of Allah because of what they have said. Now I recited it to my shaykh just like I recited it to you. The shaykh said, hey, stop. Recite that again, recite it properly. And I said, what do you mean? He said, when a believer recites something that causes his heart to feel hayat from Allah, to feel shyness from Allah, to say what the Jews said, Allah's hands are constricted, his recitation reflects that. So you recite, وَقَالَتِ الْيَهُودُ يَدُ اللَّهِ مَغْلُولَهِ Softly, إِسْتِحْيَاءً مِنَ اللَّهِ Out of shyness to Allah. Then when the response comes, you respond with strength. غُلَّتْ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَلُعِنُوا بِمَا قَالُوا بَلْ يَدَاهُ مَبْسُوطَتَانِ May their hands be constricted, maybe they receive the curse by what they have said. You respond with strength. And when you, when, you, when you interact with the Qur'an like this, I'm telling you, even people who don't understand Arabic, <coughs> when they pray behind an imam who interacts with the Qur'an like this, they feel a difference in the recitation of the Qur'an. It's not autopilot. It's not just reciting nicely and melodious. Nah, that's not tajweed. Don't reduce tajweed to that. Tajweed is reciting it properly, giving every harf its rights, interacting with the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah says in Surah Al-Maryam, وَقَالُوا اتَّخَذَ الرَّحْمَانُ وَلَدًا They say, Ar-Rahman has taken a son. وَقَالُوا اتَّخَذَ الرَّحْمَانُ وَلَدًا لَقَدْ جِئْتُمْ شَيْئًا إِدَّا تَكَادُ السَّمَاوَاتُ يَتَفَطَّرْنَ مِنْهُ وَتَنْشَقُّ الْأَرْضُ وَتَخِرُّ الْجِبَالُ هَدَّا أَنْ دَعَوْا لِلرَّحْمَانِ وَلَدًا وَمَا يَنْبَغِي لِلرَّحْمَانِ أَنْ يَتَّخِذَ وَلَدًا إِنْ كُلُّ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ إِلَّا آتِ الرَّحْمَانِ عَبْدًا They say, Ar-Rahman has taken a, slay, a, a son. 
Allah says, Indeed you have brought forth a terrible evil thing. To the point by which because of this statement, the heavens are almost torn and the earth is almost ripped asunder and the mountains fall into ruins. To claim that Allah, Ar-Rahman, has taken a son. This is how serious this is. You know what's interesting? So when we go to da'wah, like interfaith and stuff, we go to Christians, we talk to Christians, we're like, yeah, we're all the same, you know, our gods, you know, same gods and stuff. Ah, This is how we give da'wah, really? This is how serious the claim is that Allah has taken a son, and we're saying we're all the same? Ah, you give them tawheed. This is how, and people don't realize, like, oh man, rape is a bad deed, it's a horrible sin, killing and murder and stealing and drinking alcohol, these are horrible things. But shirk, eh, my neighbor's a nice person. My neighbor's nice to me, he brings me a Christmas, you know, Christmas card, and he's cool, and he's nice, and it's a mushrik. Do you understand what that is? Allah says in Surah Al-Naba, He says, Taste the punishment, you will only be increased in punishment. Every day in hellfire, the people of Jahannam, their day is worse. Every day is worse than the previous day. Ibn Abbas, I forgot, they say that this ayah was the most severe ayah revealed about the people of hellfire. But you know what Allah says about them? This punishment is a just punishment. It's an equal punishment to the sins they have committed. Now what about nice people? People who feed the poor and take care of the, you know? They're in hellfire. Yes. Because the greatest sin is this. But we don't realize that. We don't realize that. So, again, interact with the recitation of the Qur'an. Now we'll take a break, inshallah ta'ala. Let me just share with you um, just the last couple points on this, and then we'll take a break. You know, there's many stories. I'll just give you one or two, just to give you an idea. You know, brothers and sisters, when we understand the Qur'an like this, then we can pray and lose ourselves in the prayer. We can literally, you can, I, I, I swear to Allah, you can stand up at 1 a.m. and Fajr's not until 4.30. And you could be reciting one ayah, just one ayah. And if you feel the grand, the, the, the magnificence of the words of Allah, this one ayah can keep you busy until you hear the adhan from your alarm clock and you didn't even realize three hours have passed. I'm telling you. And this is what the Sahaba experienced, and this is what people in our time experience. I'm telling you. You know, one time, uh, the nephew of Aisha, our mother Aisha, the wife of the Prophet, she comes to her at, so at the time of duha, the time between Fajr and Duhr, and he, he would go and say salam to her and go ask her, do you need anything? And he would go and buy some, anything from the market. He found her reciting in Salat al duha She was reciting the verse, قَالُوا إِنَّا كُنَّا مِن قَبْلُ فِي أَهْلِنَا مُشْفِقِينَ فَمَنَّ اللَّهُ عَلَيْنَا وَوَقَانَا عَذَابَ السَّمُونَ we, the, the people of Jannah are saying, in this dunya, we used to be in our, amongst our families fearful and scared. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestowed upon us His bounty and saved us from the punishment of hellfire. He says she was reciting this ayah over and over again and crying and crying and kept asking Allah, Oh Allah, I am now in this dunya fearing your punishment, so protect me from your punishment in the akhirah. 
He says, I left her, I waited for her, she didn't stop, I left her, I went to the market, I came back, and she was still reciting these same ayats, crying and making dua to Allah. You know, the Prophet once sent a, 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 a group of believers that they were in jihad fi sabirullah, and so they appointed two people to be the, the lookout. And so there's a muhajir man and ansari man. The muhajir, he laid down to sleep first and the ansari stayed awake. So the ansari began praying. Qiyam al-layl, prayer in the night. And so a spy from the kuffar came and saw him standing. It's nighttime, so they saw like a silhouette of some sort. So he shot him with an arrow. Now what's amazing is that not only did he not stop his prayer, he didn't even yell, yell out to wake up his muhajir companion. He's struck with an arrow, he takes it out and he keeps praying. So the guy, he sees him still standing, he shoots a second arrow. He gets struck with the arrow, he takes it off, he keeps praying, and he strikes him with a third arrow. Finally at the third arrow, he doesn't stop praying or yell out to wake up his companion. He takes it out and he finishes his prayer. And then he wakes up his companion, the muhajir. And the muhajir, when the, when the guy, the, the shooter, the arrow sees, there's two people, he gets scared, he runs away. Because there's more people there, he doesn't know how many, he runs away. The muhajir tells the Ansari man, he says, Subhanallah, Why didn't you tell me the first time you were struck with this arrow? I mean, really, you're going to wait three, can you imagine? If we got hit with a mosquito, we're like, ah, <laughs> we break our prayers. Three arrows! And you know what he says? Ansari man, you know he says, قَالَ كُنْتُ فِي سُورَةٍ أَقْرَأُهَا فَلَمْ أُحِبْ أَنْ أَقْطَعَهَا I was reciting a surah, I was so in love with and amazed by, I didn't want to stop my recitation. Remember we talked about the basketball example, you could be playing two hours and you're sore and you're hurting, but you could keep on playing because you enjoy it. He felt pain. But his enjoyment and sweetness of salah out, outweighed the pain of the arrows, and so he kept on praying. So, brothers and sisters, we can, wallahi, we can get to this level. If we develop khushu in our prayers, we develop understanding of the ayats of Allah, and we gain an appreciation for the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.